You guys are so amazing. And this is a great church, so friendly. We always tell all of our greeters, like, make introverts feel uncomfortable. I'm actually an introvert, and it makes me uncomfortable when I come in. Uh, the reason is because we want to let God's love just shine through us. And uh, this is a, we don't want to just be a church where we come together on Sunday mornings and uh, have a religious experience and hear a message and sing some songs and then go out and live our lives uh, all by ourselves. We believe that, that Christ's church is about community. It's about being a family. And we want to follow Jesus together. Come on, can I get an amen? Okay. And, uh, and so, you know, we just want you to, to be greeted today, to be welcomed. And uh, uh, just in case anybody came and saw the commercial and said, oh, I thought we were getting free popcorn. I didn't say free popcorn. I said you can eat popcorn. So if you want to get popcorn, feel free. And I would be totally happy about that if you share with your immediate neighbors. Because that's a party foul, isn't it? Like you get this big tub of popcorn and there's butter all over it. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, uh, we're, we're in a series called I Can't Get No Satisfaction. And uh, last week we, we heard about being satisfied in Jesus. And I just want to tell you that I am uh, unequivocal about my belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which very simply is this, that God saves sinners. You know, I don't believe that church is a place for people that Jesus needs. It's a place for people that need Jesus, right? Uh, I don't know about you, but I need the gospel to work in my life. I've been a Christian, a, a follower of Jesus for many, many years, but I need Jesus every bit as much today as I did when I was a young kid and I received him for the first time. And uh, I just want to, uh, you know, just say that right at the beginning that I, I'm not going to give you, uh, you know, life coaching or clever nuggets of wisdom that you can go in and, and you know, life hacks. That's not what church is about, right? You can go to Oprah and get life hacks. Uh, Dr. Phil has some good stuff for you. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six things to do to have a better marriage. You can go look at BuzzFeed online. But that's not what I'm here to talk about today. I'm here to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how that can have a real impact on our lives that we actually live on a day-to-day basis, right? And we talked about last week that the gospel is not about uh, fruit removal. It's about root renewal, okay? It's not about moral reformation. You know, a lot of people have this idea of that the gospel, that the message of Christ is that if I'm a good person, then Jesus accepts me. That's, that's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus accepts you, and by receiving him, you can be made into a live person, into a good person, that he transforms us, that there's lasting change from the inside out. And so we're going to continue in this theme, in this topic, uh, for the rest of this month about satisfaction. You know, it's interesting because we live in a very affluent culture. We live in a culture where everything's amazing, uh, but nobody's happy. We talked about that last week. You know, if you go on Facebook, in about two minutes flat, you can find somebody complaining about something, dissatisfied with something, right? Well, I'm angry if this person wins the election. I'm angry if this person wins the election. I don't like my husband. I don't like my wife. I wish that my butt looked better in yoga pants. You know, there's something to be dissatisfied. I don't own any yoga pants, just in case I'm a man of God, right? Okay, so... <laughs> But I do have skinny jeans, okay? Come on. I'm still trying, okay? Um, but people are, are dissatisfied in culture. And, you know, one of the things that, that I think one of the deepest levels of dissatisfaction that we see in our culture is, is in the area of relationships, specifically marriage. Marriage is an institution uh, that was instituted by God in Scripture. It's a, it's a sacred and holy thing. And yet we see that even in Christ's church, that divorce is at a very high rate. It's about 50%, both in the church and and in the secular community, and that to me is just abysmal and, and wrong and, uh, and, and sad, right? Because nobody says, I do, and expects that they're going to say, in five years, I don't, right? When you make that commitment, it's supposed to be for life. 
right? And, and it's sad that there's so much dissatisfaction in relationships. Now, I don't know I, know, I know that in an audience this side, there's a lot, this size, there's a lot of you that are probably married. Uh, some of you are single, which is great. And then some of you are like in the, it's complicated. Anybody want to say that's me? It's, it, thank you, Jared. I appreciate that. Uh, it's complicated. You know, it's my relationship status on Facebook. Uh, some of you are married. Uh, some of you that aren't married, you probably can't wait to get married. Some of you that are married, you probably can't wait until you're not because uh, of the, how the marriage is going right now. You can laugh. It's okay. Yeah, it's all right. And, uh, you know, if your prayer, like when you wake up in the morning, is, Lord, please let that death do us part, part, come along faster. You know, and you're like taking out big life insurance policies and feeding your husband red meat every day because you're hoping he, you know, croaks. Anyways, wherever you are in your relational status, uh, single, married, I believe God is going to speak to you this morning. You know, our culture strategy, and we looked at some of these things last week, some principles of, of satisfaction, but in our culture, the strategy that exists pretty much across the board, whether you're single, married, uh, it's complicated, whatever category you fall into, is this thing that's called following your heart. Follow your heart. And how many of you have ever seen a Disney movie? It always works out. When you follow your heart, you get the prince or the princess, or you become a real boy or not a mermaid anymore or whatever, however that pans out, uh, you know, it, following your heart is always what they sing about. And, you know, just because birds sing it and, and deer sing it and princesses sing it, it doesn't mean it's true. Because actually following your heart very rarely, if ever, equals fulfillment. Following your heart very rarely, if ever, equals being satisfied, truly satisfied at a deep level. When we follow our heart, we tend to get into a lot of trouble. Now, don't take my word for it. Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah said. Thousands of years ago, Jeremiah the prophet in the nation of Israel, he said this, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. As I said last week, you have a desperate housewife or a desperate house husband lurking on the inside. There's something bad going on right here, beating in your chest. It's desperately wicked and Jeremiah poses this question, who really knows how bad it is? And some of you are like, well, I can tell you how bad it is because I've walked through broken marriages. I've walked through broken relationships. I've, I've dated and it's been, it's been wrong and I've been used and abused and thrown aside. And how many of you would say I've tasted uh, the nasty part of romance and relationship, Right. I've seen the brokenness, maybe not you personally, but maybe your parents or, or your family or someone in your life has experienced following your heart. And when we follow our heart, what happens? It does not equal satisfaction. It does not equal fulfillment. Following your heart is actually not a good strategy because your heart is deceitfully wicked, which means your heart is on a mission to trick you into doing bad stuff and hurting you. Our heart is deceitfully wicked but I want to tell you this morning that when you will get one relationship right in your life, every other relationship will get better. There's one relationship that when you get it right, every other relationship gets better. And that is a relationship with Jesus. Now, I told you, I'm not going to give you three principles to a better marriage. No, I mean, I'm going to give you wisdom from Scripture. But I want to tell you right now, the only message that has the power... The only relationship that has the power to transform every other aspect of your life is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now you say, well, I'm not a Christ follower. I just came because I thought I was going to get popcorn. Awesome. I'm so glad you're here. But I want to ask you to, to key in and listen to the message of Jesus today because he didn't just, 
He, you didn't just show up by accident or because you had a hankering for popcorn. That's me every day. Uh, I want popcorn. No, Jesus, I believe, brought you to this place to hear his message, to hear the gospel so that you could be transformed and you could come to know him. Jesus said something pretty amazing. One of his disciples recorded these words. His disciple John, in, in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. We talked about this last week, but a lot of people think that God gave us the Bible and it's all these rules to make us miserable. But that's not the case. Actually, God's laws uh, teach us what we are created, how we're created to live, and the best way to operate. I don't get mad at Volkswagen when I pull my Passat up to the, to the gas station, four cylinders in that hog. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> people, on the, people are like, dang, man, no, they're not. It's a, it's a station wagon. I can barely get up the hill where I live. Anyways, I pull my, my station wagon up, and, and I don't get mad. Like, what do you mean I can't put diesel in it? I want to put diesel in it. They're like, that's not the way it was designed for. And in, in a very similar way, God's laws and his rules are not there to make us miserable. They're to give us the best chance at having a satisfying life. And Jesus says that, look, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. However your perception is of Jesus, I believe that it can change. Because when you begin to have a relationship with Jesus, not only do you begin to change on the outside, but you begin to change on the inside. Your wanter, that part of you that makes decisions, that craves certain things. There's a hunger there, and I believe it ultimately is satisfied in Jesus. And he said, look, my purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. God is into love. God wants you to have great romance. He wants you to have great marriages. God wants us to have great relationships. He wants us to have great seasons of singleness, if that's where we are, right? Where are my single ladies, my single dudes, right? I went Beyonce right there. It just, yeah, it didn't flow. But anyways, uh, God wants us to have satisfying relationships. Jesus wants you to have a rich and satisfying life. He doesn't want to make you miserable. And, you know, I used to think when I was young, like, Lord, please don't give me a, a really homely, ugly woman that I have to marry just because she's godly. You know, Any, anybody else there? And he didn't. My wife is gorgeous and, I, and she's amazing. Um, I hate it when people would say when I was growing up, they're like, well, he has a good personality. It meant I was husky. You know what I mean? That's what it meant. But listen to this. God, John, his disciple, tells us this. And he says in John, 1 John 4, 8, he says, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. That is his essential Nature and, and God made us for relationship with Him, but He also made us for relationship with each other. God invented love and He invented all forms of love. God invented the, the love that's in a friendship. God invented romantic love. God invented uh, familial love, love between a father and a son and a son and a, and a mother. I mean, He invented all forms of love and God is, is so into love. He wants you to be satisfied in your romantic relationships. Can I get an amen? Maybe, maybe your entire life up to this point, you've never tasted what God intended, but I believe through encountering Jesus and working on that relationship with Him, your relationships can begin to be satisfying as you frame them through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Somebody asked Jesus, and they were trying to trap Him. They said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's another commandment that's equally as important. It's that you love your neighbor as yourself. I just want to tell you right now, God does not want to shut love down in your life. 
A lot of people think, well, if I go to church and I, I try to do it God's way, that means that I can pretty much cut off romance. And no, no, it means connecting with God's ideas and God's purpose for your life in these areas, which ultimately lead to the most satisfaction that is possible. Now, let's recap a little bit from last week. You all right? You too comfortable in your movie theater chair? Okay, we're good. A couple of sources of dissatisfaction, looking at where dissatisfaction comes from, and I want you to apply these specifically to the context of marriage or romance uh, relationships. Number one, dissatisfaction comes from expectation gaps. This is where my expectation that I came into a relationship with or what I thought it was going to be like is not met. It's the space between my perception and then what actually is. And so I feel like it should be over here, but it's, it's only right here. And there's an expectation gap, and that can create dissatisfaction. Now, when I got married, and I married an amazing woman, Bethany, my wife, she's serving in the kids over there, but we'll have her come speak sometime, and then you'll be like, don't let Jake speak anymore, because she's amazing. But she's incredible. But when we got married, we both brought these expectations into our relationship. You, You know what I'm talking about? Now, here was one that seems really silly, but it was a big deal in our life. My mom, uh uh-oh, this is going to get crazy right now, right? We talk about this. She always did a red Christmas tree. Anybody, any red Christmas treeers in here? None. (laughs) So you can see who is messed up in this uh, red Christmas tree. Come on. Yeah, all right. I knew there was like some just presence of God in that section of the building right there. So my mom always did a red Christmas tree. So we'd have all the ornaments and it it was red. It was this warm, nice red light. I don't know why more people don't do it. It was just great. And so I'm like, for some reason, I get married and I think, we'll have a red Christmas tree. So Bethany, she's like, well, I want to try maybe like blue lights or white lights or these other lights. And I'm just like, who are you? You know? And all of a sudden, there's this expectation. I expected a red Christmas tree. Bethany, that's not her fault. She didn't know that I expected a red Christmas tree. She doesn't particularly like the red Christmas tree. And so, you know, we had a conflict based on an expectation gap. There was dissatisfaction and she felt like she wasn't meeting my needs and felt like she wasn't living up to this standard, but she didn't want a red Christmas tree. So there's conflict and an expectation gap was created. You know, I expected that when we got married, because I come from a family of like talkers, you know, we just talk about everything. Talk, 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 talk. And, you know, we talk things out. We talk things through. We talk things under. We talk things over. Like we just... We just talk, you know, and, and it'll be like two in the morning. And if there's a conflict going on, we're still going at it. And that's how I grew up. Anybody else in the talk group? Okay. It's like Team Edward, Team Jacob. Yeah. And that's where we were. Bethany comes from a family of walkawayers. How many walkawayers do we have? Get over it. Come on, talk it out. Just kidding. So she comes from a family of walkawayers, meaning when you have a conflict about a red Christmas tree or whatever, and, and things get a little heated, she shuts down turns off, you know, the emotions or whatever, and walks away. And for her, that's how she processes. But I'm expecting that we're going to talk it out every time, at any time. So here we are. We've been married for, our first year of marriage was a bunch of these expectation gaps colliding, uh, going both ways. But I expect that we have a minor conflict and, you know, she didn't put enough peanut butter on my sandwich or, you know, I didn't clean the toilet the right way. And all of a sudden, we're, we're having some conflict She withdraws, I push forward, and it gets worse because there's an expectation gap. And this creates dissatisfaction. We got to a point in our marriage where there was all these expectations flying around everywhere. And pretty soon, until you identify and add some truth to it and get some grace flowing in your relationship, it can become very problematic. Anybody else experience this? Bethany 
had an expectation that we wouldn't fight. And she told me that later on. Like, I didn't think that we would fight. And I'm like, you didn't think we'd fight? Because I expected we were going to fight it out until we were friends again. You know, that was how, how I grew up. When I asked Bethany to, to, uh, to date me, we, I, we were in Ashland, Oregon. It's one of our favorite cities. And I asked her to, to, to start a relationship with me. And then I took her out. We went use CD shopping for all the people under 20. Those are these things that are like these discs. They have data on them, and you put them in a player, and you don't download them, but they're like the music's on there. Anyways, use CD shopping, and we were, you know, doing that, and we're walking along, and we, I got her coffee, and then I took her out to this like incredibly expensive Italian restaurant. I don't know if the food was good, but the price was high, so I figured it was romantic, right? And, you know, we have this gourmet Italian food, and that's, and all of a sudden she has this expectation of this is Jake, this is who he is. And then two weeks later, Winter Olympics are on, and I'm sitting in my sweatpants in my parents' basement <laughs> watching the Winter Olympics. And I'm just going to tell you right now, like, bobsledding is not as romantic as a gourmet Italian restaurant. Do you hear me? <laughs> Expectation gaps. What was established was not met, and it can create dissatisfaction. And this can happen in all kinds of relationships. But in romantic relationships, it's pretty serious. Number two, bad experiences create dissatisfaction. You ever just had a bad meal and you just go, I was, I'm not going back. But how about in a marriage? You had a bad marriage. He was abusive. He neglected you or she ran around on you or whatever it looked like, but it was a bad experience. And all of a sudden now your, your lenses are cued in on that bad experience and there's dissatisfaction. And you got to be careful that you don't bring that into every relationship, right? But bad experiences create dissatisfaction. And we've all had bad experiences, haven't we? Had your heart broken or, or whatever, or, or somebody cheated on you, or however that looks, but bad experiences can create dissatisfaction. And then this last one is, is big. It's a big one. It's misplaced desires. And this is one of the sneakiest forms of dissatisfaction, one of the sneakiest sources of dissatisfaction that we can encounter. And it's where I look to my spouse or the person I'm in a relationship with to meet a need that only Jesus can meet. Come on, you hear what I'm talking about today? I think that Bethany can meet my needs, that she can make me emotionally stable or make me feel good about myself or, or feel good about our relationship. And I lean on her and I put, I put an expectation on her, a desire on her that is misplaced. And then when she falls short of that, then I, you see what I'm talking about? It's a misplaced desire. Because let me just tell you right now that no human being No person, no matter how great they are, the best wife in the world, the best husband in the world can meet all of your needs. Only Jesus can do that. And if we put our desire thinking that a human relationship will fill that space, that desire inside of us uh, for true intimacy and true satisfaction, if we put that on another human, we will ultimately be left wanting. Misplaced desires. Anything that we think that will satisfy us other than God himself. C.S. Lewis said this, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world will satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And what does he mean here? He means that if there's something inside of us that cries out for eternal satisfaction, then temporal, even in the greatest relationship, something that is just of this time and space will not meet that need. And behind all of our desires, there's a desire for heaven country. There's a desire for our homeland. There's a desire to be reunited with our creator. And no person can fill that space. 
Only God can. And when you get your relationship right through Christ, uh, when you get your relationship with God right, then all of a sudden, all of those human relationships that would have dissatisfied you, you see them in new light. They no longer need to be the be-all, end-all, final destination relationship. And you can have the right perspective and actually find satisfaction in your romantic relationships. That's why I said there's one relationship that when you get it right, your relationship with your heavenly father through Jesus, when you get that relationship right, every other relationship in your life will get better. When I pursue Jesus Christ, I'm a better husband. When I pursue Jesus, I'm a better friend. When I pursue Jesus, I'm a better father. Every relationship gets better when I pursue Jesus. And it makes it doesn't make a whole lot of sense sometimes because we think, well, if I have marriage problems, then I need to pour into my relationship with my wife. Yes and no. First, pour into your relationship with Jesus because he'll give you the, the, the grace to be a better husband, okay? So pursue Jesus. Don't look to satisfy heavenly desire with earthly source. No human relationship will ever satisfy you apart from God because true satisfaction, the deep abiding satisfaction, the living water that Jesus wants to give, it's only found in him. There is no human source that you can get it from. And it's like chasing a mirage, thinking that a person can do that for you. You with me today? All right. I want to give you a couple uh, tidbits here, a couple, I call them wisdom nuggets. That's all I got for you. But yeah, I said I wasn't going to say it, but I did. Um, I eat a lot of chicken nuggets, so I think the word nugget is just in my brain. But I want to give you some wisdom today from the scriptures, uh, and I'll do it in two categories. So first off, wisdom for singles. Are you ready? And how to put this principle that true satisfaction is only found in Jesus into play. Okay, wisdom for singles. Number one, put preparation before pursuit. Put preparation before pursuit. Book of Proverbs chapter 24, it's the wisdom book, verse 27. It says, do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. Our culture has this completely backwards. I'm 11. I'm ready for a relationship. No, you're not. You're ready to get good at math. You know, you you see those memes online and they're like, I need a man who, no, you need to get your homework done, little girl. Let me just tell you right now, any of y'all boys that want to date my daughters until they're like uh, through college and ready, like you ain't doing it. I'm sorry. But like, no, you're not going to get my 14 year old girl all excited for marriage when that's not happening right now. Hey guys, let me just tell you, you're 15, your pants don't fit, and you play 10 hours of video games a day, you're not ready to get married. Now put some preparation into place. Thank you. Come on. Thank you. Yes. Put some preparation into place before pursuit. Oh, I just need to work on being romantic. No, you need to work on walking down a job, right? My parents were like, to, to, to myself and my brothers, like, you don't need to get all dressed up with nowhere to go, right? There's no reason. Oh, well, it's so cute. They're 13 at prom. That's not cute. That's called setting yourself up for disaster. You ever heard of teen pregnancy? It doesn't work out all the time. Oh my God, he's a preacher. He's so, he's aggressive. Yeah, you're right, I'm aggressive. Why? Because I like lives that when lived through wisdom don't have destruction. How many of you have experienced the shrapnel of bad decisions living outside of wisdom and God has a better way? Young men, young women, singles, put preparation before pursuit. Don't worry about the target of your affection. Get your target of your affection on Jesus. Prepare your life and be the kind of person that's ready to get married and commit your life to somebody to have a marriage that lasts for 50, 60, 70 years. Not these kind of throwaway things that we see in our culture. I'm just preaching now. Okay. Put preparation before pursuit. Number two, young people and singles, if you're young or not, put you got to learn to be satisfied in Jesus. 
One of the things that I wasted a lot of time as as a young man is I would sit and I would pine over this girl and that girl. And I only, the, the, the girl that I married, I didn't meet her until I was 19, 20 years old. And so I wasted a lot of time uh, being unsatisfied with my life, being unsatisfied with myself, being unsatisfied, pursuing relationships that were never going to amount to anything, right? And just trying to get girls to like me. And, you know, I went through that really awkward stage between 10 and 30. And so it was hard for me. No joke. It was hard. For, like, I didn't, I wasn't this, like, chiseled piece of man that you see before, you know, I'm just messing with you. But uh, I tried to get girls to like me, and I tried to find self-worth in that, and tried to, to find satisfaction. And ultimately, when I found satisfaction in Jesus, I actually became a lot more attractive, because it wasn't this... Unconf- you know, unconfident sort of needy guy. I had satisfaction in my relationship with Jesus and, and, it, and it helped me a lot. So singles put, you know, get satisfied in Jesus. And then number three for, for singles, be complete by yourself. This is a big one, okay? You have to learn to be complete by yourself. Marriage does not complete you. A lot of people think, oh, you know, marriage is these two half of these hearts and they come together. That's a Hallmark card. That's not reality. When you have a half a heart and you bring it into a marriage, you still have half a heart. And, and you need surgery, right? Uh, you, you need help. You need to bring a whole heart into your marriage, okay? If you're not completing yourself, if you're bringing insecurity and neediness and brokenness and, and you don't, you're not solid with Jesus and all these kind of things and, and there's all this stuff going on and you come into a marriage, it doesn't by automatically get better. How many of you have experienced this? You know, my wife and I, we brought issues into our marriage. Everybody does, right? Nobody's perfect when you get married. So don't, I'm not trying to set an impossible standard here. But, but we brought issues in, and that required us to, to go through that ha- being complete. Uh, but when you're complete by yourself, if you can actually go six months or a year without a relationship, that's not a bad thing. That, that means that you're finding some stability in your emotions, in your relationship with Christ. So you're going to learn to be satisfied in Jesus and learn to be complete by yourself. So when you come together... You're bringing two completed people into a relationship, and that is a great place to start. All right, I want to give you some wisdom for married couples uh, and, and couples in general. I know there's some people that are probably dating or engaged or in those, those kind of things. And, you know, if you're, if you're a young guy like Jared, Eddie here on the front row, he needs to get into a relationship with a, a girl to, yeah, so he's single ladies. Okay, but anyways, love you, Jared. He can take it. He'll give it back to me later. Um, Wisdom for married couples. Number one, and this is a big one, the grass is not greener. The grass is not greener on the other side. You know, you look over and, oh, well, well you know, my wife is kind of like, you know, had a couple of kids and looks this way and look at, you know, Sally Lou May or whatever. I'm trying to find a name that nobody has here. Uh, the grass is not greener. Uh, my husband doesn't talk to me when he comes home from work, so, you know, this guy, uh, Enrique, he's going to talk to me. Hopefully that's not your name. I'm trying to find somebody that I didn't hear anybody's name coming in. I'm trying, you know, the grass is not greener. If you read the book of Proverbs and you go through the first couple of chapters, the writer of Proverbs tells us this story about a young man who gets enticed and he, he, he gets pulled in by the seductress and and in case you think that it's sexism or, or, or gender uh, problem here, that's just how it's portrayed. But it works both ways for both genders. That there's a seduction that comes where we think there's a, there's a, the grass is greener over here and 
this young man gets led uh, into adultery uh, and into sexual immorality, and he gets destroyed. And the writer of Proverbs kind of looks in and is like, this is not going to end well. Let me just tell you right now, if you're in a, a marriage or you're in a relationship, you need to draw the line right here in the sand and say, we're not going any farther. I'm not going to try to break this relationship and start over. That does not work. The grass is not greener. Whatever problems you think your spouse has, I guarantee you that they are at least mirrored in you. You know, guys, we can be notorious for this. We think that we're supposed to have a 10 and we're like a four. You know, I have a dad bod. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want to see me with my shirt off. People think Sasquatch just walked into the room. You know, I don't drink beer, but I have a beer belly. How did that even happen? You know what I mean? It's a gummy bear belly. But anyways, we think, oh, well, I'm supposed to have a 10, but I'm, do you see what I'm saying? And we get these crazy thoughts. The grass is not greener. My dad gave me some great advice when I was a young man and I'd just been married. He said, Jake, yeah, you need to think about adultery, having an affair on your wife. And I'm like, what? This does not sound like my dad. And, and, and he said, no. And I, I'm like, well, I knew there was something there to it. He says, you need to think about having an affair. And I was like, why? Because I want you to think about what your wife's eyes will look like when you tell her that you cheated on her. And I want you to think about if you have children what their eyes look like when you look in and say, daddy isn't going to live here any longer. Let me just tell you right now, the grass is not greener. And Jesus wants you to be satisfied and secure in him so that you can have eyes of grace, eyes of encouragement, eyes of love for your spouse, for the person you're in a relationship with. Come on, don't put yourself on a pedestal and look at other people as different. No, deal with where you're at, get satisfied with where you are. You can be satisfied in Jesus. And all of a sudden, when you begin to be satisfied in him, even those discrepancies that are dissatisfying in your relationship, you can begin to work on those things and his love and his grace will come in and things begin to change. But the grass is not greener. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15 says, drink, and this is like a little bit PG-13, so it's the Bible and we're in uh, movie theater, so there's a disclaimer. Uh, Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? Our culture is obsessed with sex. Culture portrays this image that the more sex you have is better and uh, you should follow your heart and all these things. And that just just blows the lives apart. Because we don't ultimately want sex. We want intimacy. Okay? So these guys 2,000 years ago under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit were saying some good stuff. You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you always. Amen. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or fondle the breasts of a promiscuous woman? For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. The grass isn't greener. It's a trap. Admiral Akbar from Star Wars says, It's a trap. <laughs> Don't do it. I think about my wife and my kids, and I think about their eyes when I'm tempted or when I'm uh, pulled away in my thoughts or whatever, or I'm dissatisfied with Bethany or something, I think, no, the grass isn't greener. This is the wife of my youth. I need to be satisfied in her. And guess what? When I begin to put value into my marriage, when I say, no, I'm committed to this, guess what happens? It actually makes it better, right? It actually makes it better. Number two, wisdom for married couples. 
you will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. This is an unavoidable principle. It says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. So let me ask you this. What are you putting into your marriage? Do you add value to your spouse every day? When's the last time that you consciously made an investment in your spouse? Not because they did something for you, but because you said, I'm going to encourage, I'm going to invest, I'm going to add value, I'm going to pour into my spouse because they are a valuable relationship to me. Come on. You'll reap what you sow. If you're always making withdrawals out of your marriage, you're gonna, that's what you're going to get. You're going to have a deficit. And all of a sudden, it's going to be metal on metal and, and not flowing, not functioning. So invest. We're going to reap what we sow. So let's get good at encouraging each other, at, at adding value, at not being critical, but being encouraging. Number three, put Jesus first. Every time I pursue my wife or I pursue becoming a better husband, it doesn't actually work out. When I try to just get better, that doesn't happen. But when I pursue Jesus and I experience the transformation that comes from him working in me, uh, that's when things begin to change. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, Seek the kingdom of God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. It makes sense to our natural mind that we should pursue, oh, I'll go get marriage counseling and I'll go do this. No, before you do those things, not to say you shouldn't, but before you do those things, get your heart right with Christ. Put him first and pursue him. When I pursue Jesus, I become better in every single relationship. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better friend when I pursue Jesus. Because he's the one relationship that makes every relationship better. Only a relationship with Jesus. True satisfaction is found in Jesus. He said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to the Father but through me. Jesus is the door. He's the gate into eternal life. He said in John chapter 6, verse 35, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. There's satisfaction in Jesus for you personally, but there's satisfaction in Jesus for your relationships. I want to pray for you this morning, and I want to give an opportunity for anybody that's here today to receive Jesus for the first time.